we are, we are continuing in our table series. We've been looking at the table. We've been looking at tables of the Bible where these key events happen and how the communion table comes. And we actually had planned for this Sunday to uh, look at the wedding feast of the Lamb. We were going to have this massive banquet, food everywhere. People were going to come in. We were going to just feast together, eat together, do all of that stuff. And then we're not allowed to do any of that. So we thought, well... Let's look at a different table because there's a different word that God wanted for this morning. Uh, Mark chapter 14, verse 1 through 9, if you've got your Bibles, if you have uh, your smartphone. Mark chapter 14, verse 1 through 9. Jesus anointed at Bethany. You're going to see an event at a table. Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table, everyone say table, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. That's an understatement. We'll get to it in a minute. Made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor and they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, this is so powerful. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Here we are 2,000 years later telling a story of a woman who brought wasteful worship to her Lord. Wasteful worship. All the religious people saying, what are you doing? Why so extravagant? Calm down. It's not that big a deal. In fact, there's better things we could do. Jesus says, "Uh uh-uh, not right now, not in this moment. You don't understand. This is a significant moment in time. And her act of wasteful worship, of extravagance, of abundance will never, ever, ever be forgotten. And as we come to this table, we come to this moment in time, this this extravagant act of wasteful worship, there's just a few things I want to pick up before we pray. And the first one is this idea here. While he was in Bethany reclining at the table of the home of Simon the leper, what is he doing in the home of Simon the leper? Because if Simon was a leper, no one's allowed near him. No one's allowed in that home. No one's allowed to touch him. It's completely culturally inappropriate. It's completely not allowed. What has happened? Why is Jesus in Simon the leper's home? And if you read through this and you study this, and this same passage is actually portrayed in the Gospel of Matthew, in the Gospel of John, and in the Gospel of Luke. This same story is told. Luke's told a little differently. So some people say there might be two events. 
But there's this picture here that something has happened to Simon the leper, a man who was broken, who was destitute, who was lonely, who was abandoned, who had no help or hope left in life, now is sitting with Jesus in his home with people everywhere. And the presumption, the clarity that comes here, because in the book of Luke, the Pharisee's name is also Simon. So this guy was a learned person. This guy was someone of importance. His life is taken from him. And somewhere along the line, there's this picture that he encountered Jesus. And in his encounter with Christ, Christ has so impacted his life, has so transformed his life, has brought such healing upon his life that his whole world has been turned upside down. That Jesus has brought healing to this man, that he's still known as Simon the leper, but his spots are gone. We talked about this last week, that sometimes we're dropped, but Jesus comes to carry us to his table. We see it again here, a man who was dropped, a man who was like taken out from the left and from the right. And yet Jesus comes and he brings healing and transforms this guy's life completely. And now he's hosting a dinner party with all these different people. He's saying, come to my table. And Jesus comes to the table and while they're in there, there's religious folk there, the disciples are there and this woman, which the Bible will tell us in the book of John is actually Mary, the sister of Martha. Mary, the sister of Martha, who comes along and it says brings a jar of very expensive perfume. Again, that doesn't quite do it justice. Do you know this jar, the Bible tells us, costs 300 denarii. And one denarii is about a day's wages. And so what this is saying is this is about a year's wages, the value of this jar. And so she comes in this moment, there's Jesus reclining at a table with Simon who's been healed of leprosy, with Lazarus, her brother, who's been raised from the dead. There's religious folk, there's disciples who've spent three years walking with Jesus, listening to his teaching, healing, uh, seeing him heal and seeing him move and do all the things that Jesus has done throughout his entire ministry. And of everyone in that room, there's one person who gets it. And she's like, there's something happening right here in this moment, in this day in history that deserves wasteful worship that deserves an extravagant act of praise, that deserves something that is over the top, that everyone else looks at and says, what are you doing? That's crazy. And she's like, no, no, in this moment, this is exactly what our Lord deserves. So she takes this entire year's worth of wages, this expensive jar, and she comes up to the Lord and she breaks the jar and she pours it on his head. Now, that's an awkward moment. If you've ever been, if someone, if I'm sitting at a table and someone comes and starts tipping stuff on my head, I'm probably like, what the heck are you doing? And that's what the disciples are doing. They're like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? There's Jesus. And the the anointing is so significant that it tells us that, that Mary in the other passages wipes his feet with her hair. She poured it on his head and she wiped it from his feet. Do you get the picture? This is a complete immersion in the fragrant offering of sacrifice of praise. And so she brings this jar, she cracks this jar, she pours it upon his head, this entire year's worth of wages. And this is such a beautiful picture because in ancient cultures, I learned this this week, 
that there was this traditional thing that you did when you were honouring someone above you is that you would actually, you would break, if you were to anoint them or if you were to uh, give them something, you would actually break that thing after it had been, after, in that act of, of worship, in that act of praise, in that act of honour as you broke it. And the symbolism of breaking it is saying that there is no one else worthy of this gift. And so this gift will never, ever, ever be used again because there's no one else who is worthy of receiving such a gift. So she comes and she breaks the jar saying, you are the only one worthy of such praise. And then she pours it upon his head. She anoints him with the oil of anointing. And then the disciples, like Judas, says, what are you doing? Why would you do this? Why would you pour out that praise you could have sold that and you could have used that for wise ministry you could have impacted the world you could have saved people's lives you could have given that to the poor that's very practical thoughtful missional mindset isn't it but in this moment Jesus isn't anti-poor he's not his whole life has been about reaching out to the poor and the poor here stands for you know everyone who who needs that help, who needs the the ministry of the gospel. But he says, why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you and you can help them anytime, but you'll not always have me. There's this picture here that Jesus is not speaking down about that. What he's doing is saying that the work of the ministry is always going to be there. There's always going to be a season to put our hand to the plough. That's never going to end. There's always going to be work to do. There's always going to be practical mission to do. But there are moments in time where the church is called to take its stand and just pour out a fragrant offering of praise. And I have a deep conviction that today is one of those days. That there comes a time, you know, there's times throughout Scripture where where the Lord will say, actually, I despise your religious festivals. I despise your worship because there is no hand that goes with it. There's no heart that goes with it. There's no act of service that goes with it. With it. He's like, you're just empty singing. And he goes, I'm going to, I despise that sort of worship. But there's this other type of worship where he's saying, hey, hey, I get that your heart's for the people. That's good. You've got to continue to do the work of mission. You've got to continue to do these things. But there is a season. There is a time in the life of the church. There is a time in every believer's life where we are called to actually make a stand and pour out worship extravagantly. It's called a sacrifice of praise. And to be honest with you, the whole week, and I've had a lot of emails this week, I have a lot of conversations with a lot of different people. And the whole week, I've had this image in my mind that I can't shake, an image from, uh, from the persecuted church in China as they're hiding in their little caves and they're singing their guts out with everything within them that has breath. That's a sacrifice of praise, risking their life. We're risking the rain but it's a step. You with me? And there comes a point in time when we actually have to recognise that it's time to break the jar, that it's time to pour out the oil. And if it's just a simple little step that says, actually, our God's worthy of a song. 
Our God's worthy of praise. Actually, the Bible calls me to pour out abundant praise. The Bible calls me to lift up my voice in praise. The Bible calls me to sing with joy to the Lord over and over and over again. Sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. And if that means we go outside, that we can unashamedly sing to the Lord, we're going to go outside and break the jar. A lot of people have said to me this week, what are you doing? (laughs) That's stupid. It's cold. It's middle of winter. It's the Adelaide Hills. Just go inside and be quiet. And I felt like God was saying, it's time to break the jar. It's time to break the jar. Someone's got to break the jar. (laughs) Break the jar pour it out and just let him do what he wants to do. And I love that it finishes and it says, Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. There's a testimony that comes with abundant sacrificial praise. There is a testimony that God is giving his people. There is a moment in time when you take that stand and you don't allow other voices to silence the praise that this revelation of what God has done. Mary poured out the oil because she had Lazarus right next to her. Mary poured out the oil because she had Simon the leper right next to her. No one else saw it. Everyone else had had the miracle and been like, oh, fantastic. Now we're having dinner and it just passed them by. But actually, when you have a revelation of who Jesus is and what he's done, and that's my prayer for every one of us, that there would be a deep-seated revelation. It's not just religion. We don't come here to tick a religious box. We don't come here just to read and move on. No, you need a revelation of the love of God in Christ Jesus. And when we understand what he's done for us, when we understand that he's redeemed us from the pit, we understand that he's taken that which was dead and he's breathed life into it for all of eternity. How can we do anything but give a shout of praise? Mary looks at Lazarus and she looks at Simon. She's like, this guy needs the oil. And she grabs it and she breaks it because no one else can get it. It's just Jesus. And she pours it on and they were like, what are you doing? And Jesus himself says, no, 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 no. This moment right now, the poor you're going to always have. That's not him saying, don't look after the poor. He's saying, you've got a whole, the next 2,000 plus years until I return to care for the poor. You need to do that. That's part of your mandate. Yes, but right now, this is more important. This is the same Mary who sat at his feet and listened to his teaching. This is the same Mary who adored Jesus And she gets it and she pours out the sacrifice of praise. My question to us is, is he worthy? Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Is he worthy? What a song. Back to Christmas. Is he worthy? I always say that around the wrong way. I can't remember if it's he is worthy or is he worthy. I think it's the question, isn't it? Adam, where are you? You're the one who always tells me I say that wrong. He is worthy or is he worthy? It's is he worthy. Both. It finishes with he is. He is. He is. He is. He is worthy. He is worthy. So that's what we're here for today. To declare that he is worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of standing in the cold of a little shiver, maybe it might even drizzle on us. Sam's been praying that it would drizzle on us. (laughs) I'll pray for the Holy Spirit rain. 
So that's what we're going to do. We're going to pour out the oil on the one who is worthy. And so the band's going to come back up. Actually, let's start with Cherie. You can come up. And I just feel to have a moment here of prayer, to break off, to, to pray, to spend time seeking after God. We have notes for you as you do that QR code or go to your email. Um, you'll see a whole bunch of things that you can pray for. You can choose to work your way through those things or you can choose to just pray for whatever the Lord leads you to pray for. But we're going to spread in groups. We're going to take time to pray that this country would wake up, that this nation would wake up, that this nation would see Jesus for who he is, that we would repent and that we would be a nation that would return with vigor to the faithful service of King Jesus. And we're going to pray over that. And we're going to have an opportunity, if you feel like the Lord's dropped a word on your heart, just a word of encouragement, something to speak out, speak over this church, speak over uh, this city, this, this nation, whatever that is. If you feel like God's done that, please, we're going to invite you to come. You can take the mic and you can have an opportunity just to declare, uh, yeah, that word of encouragement, the praises of God to the people of God. Is that good? So why don't we stand to our feet? And we're going. Hey, everyone. Um, it was a couple of weeks ago and I was driving towards the church. It was a Friday night. And um, I was just driving on my own. It was fairly late. And I imagined a car coming around the corner and just um, colliding with me. And I just, I felt like in that moment, I imagined myself what it would be like if that was the last moment of my life. And that I'd come before Jesus and I just had this profound sense that I'd be on my knees saying to Him, whatever I gave you on this earth wasn't even enough, Lord. You are worth so much more. And there's going to be a moment for all of us. One day we're going to close our eyes and we're going to open them and we're going to see Jesus Christ face to face. And we're going to say, I'm so glad I worshipped you down there, but I wish I worshipped you more. I wish I gave you more down there because He is so worthy. If we get a glimpse of how awesome He is, we would be on our knees broken before Him. We would be like Isaiah that says, I'm a man undone. I'm undone before you, Lord. So, Father, would you do that for us, God? Would you do something beyond our highest prayers in our midst, God? Would you help us to get a glimpse of you, just a glimpse of you as we worship, as we pray today? God, open our eyes to see you. Oh, Lord, you're so beautiful beyond words. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. The mic's open, friends. The Lord's stirring your heart to something. Come. Come on, Brian. Let's go. Come on down. Hey, guys. How good is this? I just wanted to share. We were praying in the House of Prayer and Pain the other day, and I just felt like more and more we're just going to be coming, having more and more obstacles come in our way, in the way of us meeting as a church. If we follow the trends of what happens throughout history in terms of persecution, that sort of thing, there's just going to be more and more obstacles just coming right before us. And the picture that I got was when an obstacle comes in our way, we can stand there and go, okay, this is where we stop. 
no further. This is not the way of the kingdom of God. The way of the kingdom of God is that you climb up on top of that obstacle and you proclaim the goodness of God all the more. And and so let's let's turn these obstacles into things that strengthen our faith, in th- things that strengthen us as a unified body of Christ, getting about what we are called to do on this wor- earth, which is be Jesus to the nations. Uh, the second thing I wanted to say is when this uh, when COVID started last year, we were busy watching the news and trying to learn from everything that was going on in the other countries. We were, in the medical field, we were listening to podcasts from Italian doctors where it was all going nuts and just trying to work out, okay, what's the best ventilation strategies? What, how are we going to deal with this when it comes? And putting in all these things, planning and preparing, planning and preparing. And I want to say that I feel like what we need to be doing right now is planning and preparing and learning from other countries where they've suffered for their faith. Places like China where uh, there's renewed persecution all the more places where they've been dealing with these issues of how do we honour the government yet still worship Christ with all our heart unhindered. And so I want to just say that now is the time that we get on our knees. Now is the time that we open our eyes and our hearts and our minds. We get the resources that are out there and we learn from people that have gone before us and that have decided to count the cost now because it's an insidious thing. Little bit by little bit. It's never just stop, deny your faith. It's these small little compromises over and over again until you realise that all of a sudden you've lost all grounding. And so get into, follow the voice of the martyrs. They've got great newsletters, open doors. Get reading Richard Wormbrand. All these, there's so much good stuff out there that will help us get in that mindset where we come to that place and we say, Jesus, no matter what happens, I will follow you before anyone and anything else. And make the count, count the cost now. And so um, we have this, we have been blessed to have this opportunity to see it. It is coming. And now is the time to prepare, to get on our knees, to cultivate a life of prayer that will stand the storm. Thank you. of our mind and the feelings of our heart are for your eyes and yours alone. Glorious, glorious King, purchased our redemption. You are the sanctifier of our lives. You, to we, we bring blessing and thanks Lord I want to pray for the lost I want to pray for those that are not here I want to pray for the hills and the city and the state and the country Lord which one of us was better than them without your work Which one of us? None, Lord. None. And they are missing you. They are missing you, Lord. Lord, I know that they have rebelled. But so did we. So did we. Lord, we ask 
that you would work harder. I, as a man, ask God to work harder in, our, in, in this place, in the hills. Work for us, Lord. If you do not speak, we cannot do anything. If you do not awaken, what can we do? Lord, we would just fit in to what you would do. Lord, please, along the road, along the valley, up the hill, down to the city, please awaken people. Awaken to your truth. Bring many in to worship and to be with you for eternity. Lord, please, please, we pray for sons and daughters, parents and mothers. Lord, we lift them before thee. Lord, please do a new thing for us. Amen. Good morning, beautiful church. I just want to tell you very quickly a story about our Jesus. Um, Jude Crow spoke to me last week and there was a group of us that went into Mobilong Prison and when Dave was talking about um, us having a greater revelation of who Jesus is and when Dave was talking about those acts of extravagant worship, there was a few of us that were in a place where we could see a revelation happening in the lives of 23 broken men who couldn't pretend that life was okay. And let me tell you about our Jesus who showed up, who overcame obstacles, so many obstacles. Our Jesus who hurdles obstacles like they don't exist. And we saw it time and time again, I can tell you, but I won't right now. But just time and time again of Jesus just overcoming obstacles. We just had such an amazing time. Worship was incredible and I'm just so thankful that we weren't impeded. Our worship was not impeded by this current um, situation and God just gave 23 men a revelation and they can choose to do with that what they want with the rest of their lives but there was an undeniable sense of God's presence and God's Spirit in that place and I want to make the connection right now that what actually happened in there like God was using the extravagant acts of worship of the body of Christ not just here but in many places around South Australia where people said I will get up at 2.30am and I will pray for this and we saw lives change because of that extravagant act of worship. People who said, I'm going to use this time with my family. I'm going to make biscuits so that someone knows that Jesus has not given up on them. God showed up through those extravagant acts of worship. For the families who sacrificed and said, we're going to let our husbands, our men go into this place and they're going to give up five days. God used those extravagant acts of worship. And what he did through those extravagant acts of worship was he changed lives. And I can't help but be encouraged and just want to encourage you, church, that that's why we exist, to say, let me tell you about my beautiful Jesus. And let me tell you story after story after story of how when we needed him the most, he showed up. Not just, not in the ways that we wanted it, but the ways that we needed. 
So church, let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you about how He showed up in Mobilong. Let me tell you about how there are guys who are worshipping Him and praising Him at this very moment in that place because of the extravagant acts of worship of His people. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And church, it's not just in that space. Let's, Let's be a church who tells story after story after story because we chose to stand in that place because we stood on the obstacles with Him and said, God, whatever you want to do, we're with you. So church, I just wanted to tell you about our Jesus, what He did, what He is doing, that He is working miracles. And I just want to give thanks and praise to Him. So can I just pray? Father God, right now we stand before You as the body of Christ and we stand in unity with churches across this state, across this nation, across this globe, who say, let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you about what He did for me. Let me tell you about His life-changing, unconditional grace and love shown to me when I did not deserve it. And we stand in unity. And Father God, we ask that we be a church who stands and says, let me tell you about my Jesus through my actions, through my words, through my worship. Father God, this morning we pray for that church in Mobilong Prison right now who are meeting. We pray, raise up leaders. Have your way, Father God. Change lives. Let your wave of love start in the hearts of those men and work its way out into that institution. Father God, we just thank you that you are a miracle worker. Thank you for the loving acts of extravagant worship which change lives and we declare that it's not through us but it's only through the name of Jesus and all of God's people said, Amen. Hi, church. Um, I just wanted to say thank you to all the people that came here so early this morning. Must have been cold. Well done. Yeah, give them a clap. Come on. They've been here for hours. I saw Cherie yesterday. She said, yeah, we're going to get there at 7. I went, no, I won't be. Crikey. Dave, could we do this again? Praise God. Uh, This week I was just... I drove my car and I got this picture that so often we think of Jesus as this uh, kind and meek person, but actually Jesus is who Sophie shared about this morning. And Daniel was brought to his knees and could not even speak when he saw a picture of Jesus. And Paul's life was transformed only when he saw Jesus. And I was just reminded of Matthew 11 as well, where it says, the kingdom of heaven suffers violently and the violent take it by force. And we just, I just feel like we're being called to wake up and see who Jesus is and get ready and get prepared because there's more coming. Hi church. Um, I just had this image of three days in my head just before. Um, when you think about Monday, nothing had changed. We were just living life. And so in a week, the way we worship changed. It changed so rapidly. Um, But in three days, our eternity changed. So Jesus did twice the amount of work in... we. I mean, we have two and a half sets of three days in a week. They might have changed the way we worshipped, but Jesus changed our eternity in three days. And I'm just challenged to view a year different from 365 days how many sets of three is there in a year how many sets of three is there in a year how many miracles is locked up in three days 
if we broke those up into sets of three and just started seeking God to do abundantly and above, to change eternities in three days, let's not, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a marathon, isn't it? But there are sets of three days. There are lives that can be transformed in three days. There are work situations that can be transformed in three days. Not in a week, not in two weeks, not in three weeks, but in three days. So I just want to challenge us this week. Let's start waiting for the miracle to happen every three days. Every three days. Something was said earlier about counting the cost. And there is a cost to following Jesus even though we have it pretty easy in this country compared to other places, there is always a cost. But there's another kind of a cost too, and that is a cost of rejecting him. And there may be somebody here who has never accepted Jesus as their saviour. And we used to sing a song many years ago, an appeal song really, about there's a line that is drawn by rejecting the Lord. And the chorus goes on to say, Have you counted the cost if your soul should be lost? Um, though you gain the whole world for your own, even now it may be that the line has been crossed. Have you counted? Have you counted the cost? And I do ask anybody who doesn't know Jesus as their personal saviour to count the cost of what will be the result in the, in the final, in eternity. Pray, you know, may God bless you all. Hey, hey guys, <clears throat> I wasn't actually expecting to uh, be up here. I, I actually don't, I wasn't actually expecting to walk with God for the next six months. Um, yeah, as, as you're probably aware, uh, we went through pretty severe loss about four weeks ago um, yeah anyway um, what I, I don't think I, I, I would I'd be struggling more if it wasn't for the community if, for of you guys and the love you showed for us and um, yeah it's been really tough but uh, one thing I walking the journey of the Lord is hard um, a week prior, to losing Micah, I um, uh, I really got stuck back into the Lord. Like I was strong, but I really started taking, memorizing stuff. And that week was just attack after attack, car crashes, then the worst one being Micah. And it ain't easy this walk. It really ain't easy. And in a world where there is so much pain, there is, you are going to experience it. And God doesn't give us any protections. The only protection is, is his face and his love in him and standing firm in that. But one of the greatest assets we have is, is as a community to build each other, to, to carry us when we're, we are struggling. So I just want to just encourage you just to, just to hang in there. And um, we are in times where we're experiencing things probably profound. You look at what's happened in the government, what they've passed in the last three months. We're in a dark time and we are under attack. And the enemy knows he's having a field day, but he has already lost the battle. Yeah, he's, um, 
yeah, it's he's like a crow supporter, even though I'm a crow supporter, mourning the uh, 2017 grand final, still thinking they're still about to play. So, but just just uh, hang in there, guys, and just really just support and love each other, and um, God will use community to build you up, and that's where we need it. Thanks. Why don't we pray for Matt and Janelle right now, church? We're praying for you this morning, Matt. Actually, just that um, sometimes when we go through difficult times, people. Rally around you for a while and then life goes on. May we never forget just to continue to rally. So, Lord, we pray over Matt and Janelle right now and their family, Father. We thank you for them. Thank you that you have wrapped them up in your loving arms of grace. Thank you, God, that they know that you are there with them. Even though they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with them and you've never forsaken them. And we just bring them before you, Lord, and um, they're precious to you. May they know that and never, ever forget that. May we continue to be your hands and feet in the outpouring of abundant, your abundant grace to them. In Jesus' name, amen. On that, that's just reminded me, I should share with you guys, uh, yesterday, Florence Wells passed away. So those of you who know Ron and Florence, uh, Florence has been unwell for a very long time. So had a chat with Ron yesterday and he asked if we could just pray for them too. So we're going to do that. Right now, loving Heavenly Father, we just lift up our brother Ron. Ron, if you're listening right now, we love you and we're with you. And uh, we thank you. I said to Ron, I'm so sorry to hear that. And he said to me, don't be David. She's in glory. Come on. Lord, we thank you that Florence is pain-free, sickness-free. She is in her sound mind and she is with you in glory. Rally around our brother Ron. May he know the love uh, of Christ. May he know the peace that passes all understanding. Wrap him up in your arms, we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we need to break off into some groups and then we'll close and finish with a song. But I just want to finish what we started with the book of Mark because the interesting thing about this is when you get to chapter 15... Sorry, not even 15. When you get to the very next verse, 12, verse 12, Jesus is sitting around the table instituting the Last Supper. And so we get this amazing picture that this woman who anoints Jesus is prophetically proclaiming a promise that Jesus is about to make to us. As she pours out her abundant, extravagant worship, Jesus is about to go to a cross and pour out his abundant, extravagant grace and mercy. And in the Last Supper, this table, he goes from one table to the next. The first table he's anointed, the next table, he gives us a promise of a new covenant of extravagant grace. And that's what we walk in. We walk in the extravagance of God and so we bring extravagance. Nothing is wasteful in worship. You can't bring wasteful worship. They say that's a waste. You go, "Uh uh-uh, it's not a waste because it's to Him and He's worthy of our praise. So what we want to do, break off into some groups. We want to give you a few minutes just as a church family. You can sit, you can spread, you can do what you want to do. Pray together. Bring the Lord that that prayer from the heart. Uh, You've got the notes there if you want to follow them. Do that. Otherwise, just pray and then we'll stand together and we'll give our Lord the praise that He is due. Amen. Let's go. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. 
To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.